So welcome to this block of practice together. I don't know what you can see, but I can see a little line of people up at the top. Yeah. And you know, today I see a line of folk I know, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, all of you are sitting somewhere in the States. Some people I haven't seen for over a decade, some I've seen in the last few years. Some I've yet to meet in actually in flesh and blood. So that sense of, I hope you can get a sense of this tremendous connection we're in across time and space. Yeah. We're from all over, you know, me here in a little Pacific island. Well, actually, I'm sitting on a whole continent, actually, the eighth continent. It's just only bits of it show. And yourselves, wherever you are. So to, to, you know, the work is to really feel ourselves here, but to feel ourselves in connection. So that practice is not a kind of closing down, becoming small and tight. So I hope you can attune to this field. For some of you, you're doing the night shift of the retreat. Yeah, we've had the folk in England and over in Europe doing the day shift. And you know, I kind of span across that a little bit. So feeling yourself in this, this kind of flow. So we're here. We have this time, time to really deepen into inquiry. And what is what is here? What is the what is needed? What is needed at this time? And you know, you've heard me probably every time we sit down together, come into meditation, the sense of uprighting, opening the mind. And I, for me, these are the gestures, gestures of arriving into a time of practice. And you need to feel your own, yeah. How do you get yourself so you know what you're doing? You're really attentive to this opportunity we have. And you'll, most of you have listened to dozens, if not hundreds, of different teachers, yeah? And everybody articulates things differently. So I hope one of the learnings from that, learnings from, you know, Arjun Sachito says it one way, you know, I say it another way, somebody else says it's another way, is the sense that we really have to digest and own these teachings for ourselves, yeah? So this is you know, something to do, this translation work. What lifts you up? Yeah. And I have you know, certain teachings, certain suttas that, oh, wow, you know, and faith arrives. Yeah. So to connect yourself with what really gives you strength, strength for this inquiry. I brought the Majima into the room. Yeah. If you haven't got it to get access in some way, to really pick up this incredible inheritance yeah, and enjoy it. The Majima is probably the most accessible 
of all the collections of the Buddha's teachings. And if you like me and you love narrative stories, it's filled with them. You know, so there's some points about ways of practicing, ways of working with the mind, but they're set in the context of relationship. Yeah, it's really helpful for me. I get in these teachings and this recording a sense of what it was, what it's like to be in the presence of the awakened heart. Yeah. This process, yeah, to pick up these teachings, feel them for ourselves, find out what really works for our own you know, our experience for where we find ourselves. You know, so to take in this nourishment. Because the Buddha outlines different processes here. This process from a kind of untrained, unruly mind, heart, you know, that doesn't know where to locate itself. Yeah. And of usually locating it in places that bring stress and distress, yeah? And then how do we get it so it's locating itself in a way that actually things start to ease, lighten, and we start to really understand the nature of things. So this whole painful contraction of self and self-view and me here and all of that, we actually see through it whatever extent we are capable of in this moment because it is so painful isn't it yeah. so what I find helpful in all of this is that if we come back to the primary frame of everything the work is really to understand how this being how this chitta how this heart gets agitated yeah. to really see how suffering arises, you know, to, to understand this, this kind of leaning out on sense things, you know, ideas, whatever, you know, that this brings distress and to have your own reference to that, that, oh, why, why is this so important? And, you know, as I've been saying, the way I translate it is the sense of really having the heart uprighted. Uprighted so I can trust myself. You know, certainly not that my living is perfect, but my commitment is to being ethical, kind, generous. Yeah? And if I see ways that, you know, that hasn't happened, to try and attend to them. Here, there, whatever is suitable. So that when I sit down, when I come out of whatever I've been doing, you know, grading, cooking, whatever, I sit down, there's not a whole lot of agitation to deal with on that level. You know, there may be things that have happened that are painful. Our family here has had two of its elders die. 
this year. And there's been a lot happen around that. Yeah. So it's not that there aren't things that are, you know, that the chatter doesn't feel deeply, yeah. But that, but if we are upright, yeah, if we have this sense of goodness and connectedness, there's the capacity to meet it, yeah. To be present to what it's like, to lose what is loved. Rather than being in some great struggle with it, like something's going wrong. And yeah, things happen. Life happens and it's not neat and it's not tidy. And we, the work for me, you know, is to get something more and more available to reality, to what is happening, what is here. We had Ajahn Buradhammo, some of you will know him. He was our abbot back decades ago in New Zealand at the Ajahn Chah Monastery here. And he came a couple of years ago, I guess, before COVID really, and said he'd been visiting with Lumpur Samedo. And he was really struck because in big letters across Lumpur's shrine was, it's like this. You go, okay, Lumpur. Um, so that it's just meeting you all the time. It's like this. And there's something in that, isn't there? That sense of, oh, yeah, let me be here, capable and willing to be with the impact of life, not shirking responsibility. And trying to understand how I get out of balance with it. That wanting things to be different when the conditions are like this. And what I, and you must find too, that if I can actually really be here and receive it, I get more capacity. It's like something really deep relaxes and what's needed in response becomes clearer. What's needed for the well-being of this being, for the well-being of others, yeah? And it can be really surprising. You know, I'm I'm kind of timorous in some ways. And suddenly it might be, hey, there's something I need to say here. Out of compassion, yeah? And from that place, there's courage, yeah? So it's to come back into our ground and our strength. Yeah, we're here and we have the capability and we have the willingness. Yeah, it's like this. And in this process, you know, the, you know, this meditation settles as we're not having so much sense contact. You know, the mind can get really calm and settled. And all kinds of states of samadhi, jhana, whatever can arise, yeah. And it's, they're helpful. They can be helpful. And so they give great strength, strength to the practice, strength to the mind. They're not essential. 
but they can be helpful. And they arise naturally out of coming into presence with the way things are, letting this breath, this, the love, the connection, actually soothe, wash through, and let the heart come into the rhythm of letting go. Yeah. So these states are possible. But what's really wonderful in this teaching yeah, is that they're not the point. Many of us I know have practiced, well, certainly when I was looking for a, a meditation home, you know, back, back when I was young, you know, I practiced within other meditation traditions. You know, and some of them had this whole emphasis on um, dwelling with Brahma, yeah? And, you know, so to get into really um, refined states of samadhi, you know, rupajanas, all kinds of things, yeah? And, you know, and I imagine some of you have done this, and I was practicing in this way, and I'd set the alarm, you know, and how many hours I had to meditate, and then boom, the alarm would go, and, and the, the despair that would arise to have to come out of these refined experiences of consciousness into the, that time, quite chaotic world I was in. Well, this is not working, yeah? So I had the great fortune, you know, at, at that time to actually come into the into contact with the Four Noble Truths. And it was like, okay, there is a path out of suffering and the relief of that. It isn't about generating refined states because in the end that does not work. It, it is supportive and we can get great insight from that if we're looking in the right way. But as an abiding place, since I'm in this physical form, it's not a refuge. Yeah, so you really see within the teachings of the Buddha, if you pick up this beautiful book, you know, there is real pathways for cultivating really refined states of calm. And then at a certain point, always the Buddha says, you know, that rather than getting lost in them, to notice they're conditioned. And this is really a powerful way to unhook the mind from grasping these. He does it with the Brahma-vihara and the tremendous expansion of mind that can happen with them. The freedom comes from unhooking grasping at them. They're just a state of mind that's been cultivated. And you really feel it in Anapanasati, you know, if you when you really work through the whole thing, your mind gets chitters, luminous, all of this stuff. And it's just a conditioned state. It's still the chitta in relationship with conditions. So this sense of nivita weariness can arise. We stop 
for leaving all this stuff and we're actually our attention goes into how suffering arises how do we how do we get this precious being out of this delusion that it needs to lean on anything And, and it's a process, and fortunately for us, we were given a path. Yeah, it's not like you, you, know, you just have to snap out of it. Occasionally, people do, but most of us have this whole cultivation that has to happen. So things ripen, the heart ripens, so it gets more and more capable of letting go, letting go in moments, maybe letting go more profoundly. Yeah, but but seeing the 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 wanting this not wanting that and the agitation and suffering of that and relaxing it yeah so i take heart from that i take tremendous heart when i read these teachings yeah, yeah and i encourage you to read them too they're so beautiful and they keep pointing to the work to to a process you know in 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 some of these suttas people turn up you know from anywhere and everywhere and the buddha does not introduce the four noble truths as a teaching until their minds are really upright ethically upright in terms of generosity so there's this lovely phrase it's like a cloth, a white cloth that is free from stains. Then this teaching is given. You know, and so onto this white cloth, this beautiful colours happen. And the person goes, oh, thank you, thank you for uprighting what was overturned. So it seems in a way it's to keep getting the chitta so that there is this possibility that we can actually recognize and, and actually take in the teaching. And I certainly find it a process. Little bits start leaking in <laughs> before you know it. Oh, these understandings are arising spontaneously. Yeah. Where did they come from? These insights that spontaneously arise for us about how we're doing suffering, you know, because suffering's an activity, isn't it? Stress is an activity. How am I doing it? And you're sitting there and things have calmed down a bit and you go, suddenly insight arises. We didn't make it happen. We just set up the skillful conditions. So our work over a time of practice is to keep establishing the skillful conditions yeah. so the deliverance can be yielded yeah. things can yield their essence yeah. and there can be a tendency to go out trying to find things yeah trying to find the end of suffering yeah to really get the sense 
we are in a conditioned process. A conditioned process that starts to so understand conditions that it understands what is not conditioned. That we understand this chitta. It was only ever covered over by passing defilements. That we actually belong to everything. So to feel how we lose contact with this kind of freedom. In the text, I'm trying to think what number in the Majima, I think 143, there's this beautiful teaching to Anata Pindaka, who's dying. And it's actually Sariputta takes him through this process of letting go. Not clinging to the eye, not clinging to visual forms, not clinging to sounds, not clinging to what is heard, on and on, through every way consciousness, the chitta, could be out leaning on something. And as far as I will not cling to the eye, I will not cling to sights, I will not... Wow. To run that through our awareness. Such a beautiful teaching to someone dying. And as some of you know, at the end of it, Anata Pindaka is weeping, yeah? And he says, why has no one ever taught me this? Yeah, he... Anatta Pindaka, feeder of the poor, who's set up the Buddha's first monastery chair. Generous, kind, completely committed to the practice. And the sense of this really precious teaching and letting go. And we are fortunate because we have direct access to it. It may feel, as I was saying the other day, that here we are, not born so we can be at the Buddha's feet, the historical Buddha, but we, we have the teaching and access to the teaching more than any time in the last two and a half thousand years. As we can tell, you know, here we all are. So, to really take heart, we have everything we need. We have been given these incredible teachings in how to let go of whatever afflicts us. Now, the only thing we're letting go of is dukkha, of suffering. And you really see that, you know, over there I've got a picture of Lumpur Cha, yeah? And what he was like as somebody whose heart had let go. So happy, so generous, 
so clear. It wasn't like he'd rubbed himself out. It's like he could really be there. Totally there. Loving. I'm fortunate. You know, some of you are fortunate. I could come into the presence of Lumpur Cha when he was alive. That was one of the things that took me out of here to go and pay respects. And you know, just to be with a mind that is just bathed in love. It's possible. It's not an obliteration. Yeah? It's just a freeing out of dukkha. Yeah. So let us keep heart with it because as an abstraction it sounds really deadening. I will not cling to sounds, I will not cling to visual consciousness, I will not cling to this, I will not cling to that. You think, whoa, what about this precious world? Yeah? Buddha's not saying, do not love the world. He's saying, come into right relationship with it. Don't keep contending with it, asking it to be different. which is what this leaning does. So it's to be careful because some of this stuff sounds pretty deadly. Yeah? But it sits within the Four Noble Truths yeah? that there is this possibility of each of us being completely freed out of all stress and all suffering. The path to joy, the Parayana Sutta, the path to joy. So let us pick it up properly. And we sit and we walk today to let the surface disturbance fall away. The agitation that can be there in the thinking, whatever, just letting that be understood and settle. So we have the capability of doing this deeper work, really understanding how suffering arises. You know, the, it can be the coarse suffering of some, what somebody said, or it can be the subtle suffering of a mind that's still leaning on refined states of consciousness. It's the same stuff, and all of it is of the same nature. Yeah. It's all in this process and permanent condition. Yeah. It's not who we are. Yeah. So in the teachings at certain points, this word nibita comes up, and sometimes it's translated as disgust. Yeah. Sometimes it's translated as putting down. And it's this sense of, I've been leaning on something. I've been looking in the wrong place. Something seemed to promise me that it was where things were at. And it was a lie. 
Yeah, it wasn't true. So it can go, oh, you know, you get this, what they keep putting down or casting away, and it's a sense of, no, no, I'm not looking anymore at the wrong thing. Let me upright myself in the chitta. So even that word, we have to pick it up properly, don't we? It's this, I will not do things that bring suffering to this heart. It's been leaning on the wrong thing. Let me upright it in the Four Noble Truths. So... Yeah. So it's really helpful, you know, Lumpur Samedo, this primary message, yeah, it's like this. And what that feels like, it's like this. The compassion of that, the equanimity or evenness of heart of that, and the joy of that. This, this being who can meet it. The love, the love that is willing and capable. And we take that with us into everything. So maybe enough from me for now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.